This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast is available for you every single day after the shift is complete. Today on the podcast, we have Are You Okay With Naming Yourself Salmon? Because why wouldn't you? Canadian business mogul Arlene Dickinson joins the show to tell us why it's so important for Canadian media to keep its own identity. Plus, she shares some of the things and struggles that she's gone through through COVID. And in case you missed it, producer Ryan O'Donnell is here with strange rules at Disney World plus SpongeBob SquarePants does Star Wars and other movies. Catch the entire podcast for you every single day when the show is done here on The Shift. All you have to do is like it, share it, and pass it on to your friends, please. That would be super awesome. Ryan O'Donnell is here. Matt MacArthur is here as well. And it is time for us to dig into Are You Okay? Hit it, Moondial. Are you okay with salmon? I like salmon. I like smoked salmon. I like grilled salmon. Uh, it is delicious. It's good for you. Love it. You have no idea how hard it is for me to say I like salmon because all I want to do is add so many swear words to explain how much I love salmon. Yes. I love smoked salmon and especially salmon nigiri sushi. That is Mm. life. Just the salmon sitting on top of the rice ball. Oh my. I could eat it all day, every day. Love it. Well, I would have to agree with both those things. I think you're pretty... um... You're pretty excited there about it, mm-hmm. but I think that's great. Holy cow. All right. So I had no idea. I would agree. I do love salmon. I I don't know if it's, I love it to the point where I want to curse like Ryan, but many people would agree with Ryan. Sushi, an example, 100 people in Thailand though, might be liking it a little too much. As you're about to hear, some residents are renaming themselves Salmon to take advantage of a restaurant promotion. Here's more from WION News in India. The local media has dubbed it as the Salmon Chaos. Around 150 people flocked to the government offices in recent days to officially register a change in their name. Taiwan allows people to change their name up to three times. But the cause of the sudden enthusiasm to change names uh, is a chain of sushi restaurants under a two-day promotional offer, any customer whose ID card contained the Chinese characters for salmon would be entitled to an all-you-can-eat sushi meal along with five other friends. So you change your name for one meal? Ryan Salmon O'Donnell? I'm okay with that. That's a ring to it. For one meal, can I be one of your five friends if you change your name? Absolutely. And I'll take. Sweet. I'll even take three lucky shift or two lucky shift heads. Nice. (laughs) Not three, just two, in case you got excited. Um, Taiwan's Ministry of Interior is urging people to think carefully before changing their names. According to the country's name act, people are entitled to do so only three times, meaning, in theory, someone could actually end up stuck with the name. That's (laughs) kind of funny. I wonder why three. It's very specific. Maybe Maybe this happens a lot in Thailand. It gives you enough time to make the mistake change your mind, make the mistake again, change your mind, and then make the mistake. And the third time is where you actually learn the lesson because you can't change it back. Hmm. By make the mistake, did you mean get married or change your name to Salmon? 
Change your name to Salmon. Just checking. You never know. You never know. You, you never know. Some people might call that making a mistake. <laughs> Depending on who you marry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay with internet polls? Not really, because that's how they steal your information. Right. I mean, yeah, you could definitely take it there. I mean, I I like, you know what I love doing is when you find a website and it'll be like, what was your favorite part in this movie? And you'll click and you just want to see what the general consensus is. If you're like an outsider or if you fit into the norm, I like doing those. Mm-hmm. I like doing feedback when it's something that I that I think that I'm invested in. I received an email today from Winsport in Calgary. Now, if you're not from Calgary, Winsport is the big ski jump area where the Olympic stuff was held. And they do skiing there. We went skiing, had a good time. I wanted to give that feedback. We had some good feedback to give. And I had a couple of things that I wanted to share that were not, you know, maybe that they could work on. But 90% of my stuff was fantastic. So I think that stuff matters. I got one from my mobility company the other day asking how I liked my service. And I gave them absolutely dreadful uh, information. That, that was that was an option? It was like, yes, no, absolutely dreadful? No, that was the other fill-in-the-blank. Other. Yeah. Love other. Well, internet polls seem to be something that we get more and more of. I don't know. The internet remains undefeated in them, though. I can tell you that much. The NASCAR Cup Series at Kansas Speedway has a new name, and it's courtesy of fan votes online. Here's more from CBS Kansas. The next NASCAR Cup Series race at Kansas Speedway, it's in May, and Bush Beer asked NASCAR fans to help name it. Bush had names narrowed down to four finalists. The Bush Latte 400, Nectar of the Cobbs for the Farmers 400, and Bushy McBush Race 400. The winner, you know it. Bushy McBush face race. This will be the official name of the race May 2nd at Kansas Speedway. It's like Brushy McBrush face. Oh, dear Lord. N- announcers are going to have to say that. Welcome to the NASCAR Bushy McBush race. <laughs> that's that's the kind of thing you, t- like, if you have a coworker that has a giant beard, that's like the nickname that you give them. Yeah. And it's really difficult to, like not take this into the gutter i love it i think it's great yeah it's amazing if you're willing to open it up you got to take it what comes your way um over 1200 residents in barry at a dealer voted on names for their town's new snow plows um winning names include plowy mcplow face (laughs) you see a pattern here yep yep Austin Plowers. Oh, that's nice. great. Well, that's a good tribute. Dale Plower Chuck. Sweet. Fill up driveway, which is good because <laughs> genius. How many times have you gone out after like you just finished shoveling your driveway and then the plow goes by and re pours all the snow into your uh, into your driveway again? Um also on that list, the Polar Berry Express. That's pretty oh. good. Love it, Winnie the Plow, and uh, and others. Well done, Barry. They got they're on point with their naming. 
respect. I respect the game. What would you pick out of those ones? I think I'm probably going to, uh, I like, I like Plowy McPlow face. I have to. Um, Philip Driveway is pretty good too, though. I mean, why not just remind them how terrible that is? Austin Plower is pretty good. Which one would you choose? Yeah. Like if, um, if and probably eventually when I get my own snow plow, you know, I will, uh, I have to really concentrate on the name, but, uh, out of these options, I'd probably have to go with Austin Plowers. I like that one. It's like very that. good. I would do McPlowface just because, you know, it all started at Bodie McBoatface. And it's it's just it's just so classic. I love it. Bushy it's awesome. Bush face. <laughs> Welcome to the Bushy McBushface 500, where one of these lucky drivers is going to take the Bushy McBushface trophy <laughs> home with them. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Want that trophy in my case. Are you okay? Talk about a sweet deal. An exceptionally rare 15th century porcelain bowl made in China that someone turned up at a Connecticut graveyard. Graveyard? Oh, man. <laughs> that was a slip. How about I just start that one over again? Are you okay with yard sales? Take two. You didn't even ask us what we were okay with. No. Yeah. That's the trouble with doing <laughs> it Friday. so late in the game. Um, Friday. It's the Friday Mail It In Friday show. Yeah. What hour are we in? Jeez. Um, yard sales? Yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> you can get some cool crap there for cheap. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Comic books, toys, really weird family hand-me-downs. Uh, yeah, it's great. Well, the Canadian government right now is shopping yard sales for vaccines out of the uh, United States yard sale of AstraZeneca viruses they can't use. So, I mean, as a country, we're actually shopping our medical care from the American yard sale of vaccines. So that's fair. Well, a sweet deal was found at a yard sale, an exceptionally rare 15th century porcelain bowl made in China that somehow turned up at a Connecticut yard sale and sold for just $35 was auctioned off this week on Wednesday. Sold for $35 at the yard sale. Mm-hmm. Auction, $722,000. Oh, my word. Bully McBullface. Holy. <laughs> bully. Uh, that is bully. Small white bowl adorned with cobalt blue paintings of flowers and other designs is one of seven such bowls known to exist in the world. It was among a variety of Chinese works of art sold by Sotheby's as part of its Asia Week events. Ladies and gentlemen, the bull. So the- uh, here's more from Fox Six. In- yeah. I, wow, that is. <laughs> there's my mail it in. That might be one of my worst typos yet. <laughs> Get the um, button. What is Please that? Please play it. Yeah, I, I tried to write interview, and it's interviewee. <laughs> Inti- Icelandic for interview. Oh, that's a typo. You're not in this alone, Shane. All right, with Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Angela McAteer. I was going to call her like Maca McAteer after the Puffy McPufferface or whatever the heck we just did. Plowy McPlowface. Anyway, she's a Sotheby's expert. This is off the rails. Um, Chinese ceramics and art and bowls and stuff. Here it is. <laughs> so the bowl itself dates to the early 15th century. Product made during the reign of the Yongle Emperor, who certainly in terms of Chinese, Chinese history is one of the all-time great Emperors. Blue and white porcelain production during his reign reached its zenith. The bowl itself was made during these years, so we're looking at between 1402 to 1424. 
for the early Ming imperial court. Mac is here, says she is unsure how the bowl drifted west, but a gentleman found the bowl at a yard sale near New Haven last fall. It's completely unknown to us, I'm afraid, and a little bit of a frustrating mystery um, how this piece would have journeyed from really the, the one of the courts of the of the early Ming empire to to a flea market in Connecticut. So um, what else is a mystery is how interview becomes it netvi. <laughs> Which like how many brain cells had to die for it netvi? Hey, to to Ryan's credit, mm -hmm. he puts together a lot of this like a lot of stuff and types a lot, a lot of, of stuff. His hands must be just words. like claws from all this typing. My my thumbs are actually cracking like the skin and i don't i don't know if i need to type less vigorously maybe i, I don't know no. yeah you can copy and paste yeah, less just drive. aggressively <laughs> oof jeez <laughs> savage right, we're never doing are you okay an hour four again wow <laughs> what the hell just happened oh man oh man okay that's the end of are you okay we got to get out of here before we get all uh the family family scraps here this is the Shift Podcast. We've seen so many changes online in reporting. I think we've seen, you know, fake news in business. We've seen the evil side of marketing, if you will. I'm going to call it for what it is. It really is the evil side of marketing and spin. It's politics. It's all this crap. And then we saw the Huffington Post in Canada basically pull the pin, which was heartbreaking. Not because I was a huge fan of the website. I like to pick a pick around it every now and then. And I know it gave a platform for an awful lot of creators to create and writers to write. Then there came news about a, a Canadian business person who uh, is awesome in my book, uh, creating things a little differently. It's not exactly the same, but still creating Arlene Dickinson is here. And uh, you know, it's neat Marlene, because you say that you have this investment fund, this creation fund for business and supporting small business. And then it happens and I, I don't want to say that I doubt you because I most certainly don't doubt you, but there's an awful lot of business people that fly the flag of, hey, look at all the great things we're doing. But now there's evidence and I always believed it, but now I see the evidence and that feels really great. How does it feel to be able to take action on some of those sort of growth, future investment pieces of your life? You know, when I decided to start District Ventures, um, first I started with the accelerator to try and just build an ecosystem that was actually going to help businesses in the food and health and personal care space, the CPG space, um, to grow in Canada. Because I was so frustrated, Shane, that by the fact that as a, as a nation, we're really good at shipping raw ingredients to other countries, letting them turn mm -hmm. them into products and then buying them back, which I just, uh, I, I don't understand. Um, you know, yeah. we've got so much we'll expertise give away the money. here. Yeah, and we've got and the money is in the last mile of, of you know the product development, and so we we're a, a nation of innovators, but we're not necessarily a nation of commercialization the way I think we should be. And so I thought there was a real opportunity to take all the deep expertise that Canada has in health and agriculture, and see if we could set, stand up a an organization that would actually support businesses on their journey as they created um, consumer goods companies and started off with the accelerator. Um, you know, we've helped over a hundred companies in there now um, 
built. Some of them have gone on to do incredibly well. You know, companies like Good Fats, who you know is a great bar. Companies like um, you know Chicopee Pasta. There's just I could name a bunch, and it's it's wonderful to see these companies grow. And then I created, and then I raised a fund. You know, raised a hundred million dollars to invest in companies in the space. And then um, on top of that, I um, I, I created the um, the the network of people to help market those companies. So a, a different agency, you know, that would help do the marketing for the companies we invested in. And now I've just bought a media company to help broadcast companies and the, you know, help Canadians actually, you know, most importantly, just help Canadians with their wellness, with their whole journey of trying to eat well, live well, be well. Um, and, and there wasn't really a voice for Canadian brands out there that could talk about what they are doing and what's happening. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. Um, and, and it's like you mentioned the Huffington Post at the beginning, uh, you know, journalism and Canadian content really matters. And, you know, as a nation, just like we're shipping raw ingredients to other countries to turn into products, as a nation, we're getting content from other countries and claiming it as our own and it isn't reflective of who we are and it's you know we see a lot of american content coming into our nation where we need more that's about us and about who we are and what our businesses are about so i'm very excited about what we're building so uh, so many exciting things to talk about here arlene <laughs> the uh you have this pattern that i find quite remarkable and i think it became evident during covid in our conversations and you, the wellness part and the food part and creating that fundamental piece of people's lives seems to really land with you. I mean, you're, you're a very uh, successful business person. You've, you've been through the trenches, you've done all of the business things. So that that's one thing. But the other thing is, is there's a piece of this puzzle that you've found discovery in and it's around living whole uh, with food and personally, and through COVID, you did that even with your own baking journey that you shared on Twitter. I mean, you, this really is a, this is a part of you. It is, you know, I, I, have watched as I've, I maybe because I'm older now, I've watched as I've aged the impact, you know, we're very lucky as Canadians. We have a social system that really supports us from a healthcare perspective, from a community perspective, but I've watched as our healthcare system has been burdened, um, and the impact that we are having on our healthcare system as we don't, as we age and don't necessarily take as good care of ourselves and, and the need for us to care more about what we eat and, and to connect what we consume with the ability to live well longer and to not become sick um, and to take care of ourselves and to focus on the positive side of health, which is the proactive wellness side of it. And, you know, when we're with it, by the time we're in the healthcare system, we likely have done something that's actually, you know, could have been prevented, not always, certainly there's things that couldn't be prevented, but that's where the healthcare system really needs to focus on people that aren't creating their own issues. And so I really think that um, we need as a nation to care about the collective health of the citizens of this country. We need to focus on wellness as a, as a, something that starts with what we drink, what we consume, what we do, our exercise, all these things. I mean, listen, we're all human. We all could do, I could do better. I could, you know, eat better. I could, I could live better, but I'm trying to think about how we can help our country 
be be less reliant on healthcare to solve problems that we could solve simply by living more effectively. And, and I think that's, I think we have underestimated preventative care and that's really a long, long answer, Shane, but that's kind of, I think it's great though. It's, it's so true. Here's what, um, here's what I'm able to observe uh, in the time that I get to share with you is that when I sit back, I get to observe that. I get to observe what you're creating. And there's another piece of this too. I mean, your your marketing company, which was you know really the foundation of the big stuff here. Um, marketing is a thing that can be taken. You know, we said it at the beginning. There, it can be taken. Uh, there's there's helpful marketing, and then there's evil marketing. It can go either way. The easy way to do it to make a bunch of money is to just sell stuff. Marketing is essentially sharing, right? So. I notice, and I get, I get the experience here that sharing to you matters. So it doesn't surprise to me when you, when you pick up some of these new marketing tools to share the food thread and do it in a way that people are going to be able to listen. I don't yeah. mean to reach with that, but I, I think there's a, there's a real, there's a real pattern there. Like there really is a thing that fundamentally we all can learn that there are ways to go about this, uh, I don't want to say ethically. I want to say with integrity. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Everything doesn't have to sell something. You know, I I think, um, I think good editorial content, good journalism um, can be connected to marketing messages. Uh, If it's, if it's centered on the same cause and it's, if it's, if it's transparent and if it's open about it. And I think, um, you know, I don't see the media network as, so much marketing as I do a voice and, you know, will there be, you know, brands that are, have ads on there? Sure. And, and, but are they, are they, you know, trying to support the same message? Absolutely. So I, I do think it's a evolution and, you know, we see it on every social platform. We see it everywhere. Everybody's there is advertising everywhere. The question is what is, what does the media stand for and what is the medium standing for? And in my case, it's, it's a platform to talk about, food and beverage and health and wellness and personal care. That's, you know, what do we as Canadians, what can we do? How can we live better? So the bullet um, it's the bullet.ca is one of the websites that you picked up. Um, you know, I, what are you most excited about when you get to meet people that create this way? Cause people I also know matters to you. Yeah. I, I, I the journalists and the editors that are part of the bullet are really fabulous people and and I and I guess what excites me is is having that skill set I I have so much respect for journalists um you know people in broadcast people in news people in you know any aspect of you know journalism and the ability and the integrity that should be behind it and and also I loved the bullet because the bullet had a very Canadian sensibility about it it was very Canadian in its kind of tone and its voice and I felt like it really resonated with a Canadian market and I'm so again I I, I you know love you know America's a great neighbor but we aren't Americans we are Canadians and we need to start talking and acting and thinking like Canadians and being more proud of it and more vocal about it and more um, and and more supportive of businesses here. Well, you've been busy. Uh, COVID doesn't slowed you down, even though you've been sitting at home and and baking your brains out. Um, <laughs> you still managed to, <laughs> yeah. You still managed to uh, to get so much done. It's quite remarkable. Um, last time we had you on a few weeks ago, we did talk about the the sourdough journey. 
Oh um, yeah. Uh, how, I'm not doing it hundred percent. No, I'm now doing, I just posted a picture yesterday because I have eaten the wrong things in the last few months. You know, like I was started on this baking journey and I was making like banana breads and all sorts of stuff that wasn't probably as healthy with it for me because I was yeah. putting chocolate but, chips in it. And so I was well, doing absolutely. a lot of baking <laughs> and you were and desperate to making, give it away. You had so much. I was, I, but I always ate a little enough of it that it wasn't so healthy for me. <laughs> So now, now I'm doing a hundred percent whole wheat sourdough, which has, you know, still really good. Um, just, and no butter. And, you know, I'm trying to be a little bit more careful on the cholesterol side of things because, Hey, we got to take care of ourselves. You know, we do have to take care of ourselves. Uh, you know, I find that the more that we, and and this has been hard for me because I've shifted to this nighttime show, you know, my health stuff has kind of eroded a little bit, not in a bad way, but you know, it's hard on the body to do this, this, these changes. Um, (laughs) When we create, and and this is my invitation, I think, uh, to speak to the audience, right? Is that when we're creating whatever it is that we create, whether is that you're a truck driver, that's you know, you create safety or on-time delivery and integrity around that, or whether uh, you're an early bird executive that's getting up for the show. What do you find when in your world, there's lots of moving parts. Uh, I imagine Arlene Dickinson's calendar gets pretty full. Uh, your text messages go off like crazy. And how is it that, what have you seen in your performance? I mean, I think we all as worker bees in this society, um, we're, we're all in that same place. What have you noticed with these changes for you and creating it for others? Um, I, I, I guess I noticed that this year I, I experienced anxiety for the first time, like through the day. And so that was new to me. I, I didn't think I was that the stress was getting to me, but it, clearly it was. And so, you know, I think we all absorb stress and these situations differently. I now have to physically make sure I'm standing up in between Zoom calls because you're constantly on the phone. You're constantly on calls. You actually have to remind yourself to go put your head out the door. There'll be days where I'll just stay inside and I haven't even looked out the door and so bad for you. So taking a lot of vitamins, um, making sure I'm drinking a lot of water, making sure I'm standing up more frequently making sure that I'm aware when I'm having an anxiety attack and understanding what it is and working through it um, through all sorts of, you know, whether it's breathing techniques or listening to music or, you know, listening to, um, you know, the calm app or whatever, things like that. So I would say that we're all, we're all under stress and duress right now. And even though we think it's fine, it's hard. And the more we can acknowledge that and take care of ourselves, this is why getting back to eating healthy and and being good to yourself and recognizing what's going on and not expecting, uh, you know, and not working harder, which is what people are doing right now. People are working longer because we're at our desks more. So get up, walk around, you know, those things. Uh, Sounds so simple. It's one of those, it's so simple, but it ain't easy moments. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And, um, but at the same time, um, it's all here with, uh, these new ventures that you're on, um, food and wellness. And, uh, I think it just shares for everyone listening that we are kind of all in that same place uh, no matter yeah. which career path we've taken. And, uh, Doesn't matter. And that's really we're, cool. we're, we, we can all create a better life for ourselves by focusing on our self care and, and being careful about, you know, um, taking care of ourselves is really important right now really important. And how, yeah. And I'd like to add to that, how important it is for us to think of uh, our children and our grandchildren and yes. uh, how we keep, keep Canada alive, keep ourselves alive and keep Canada alive in all of this too. 100%. It's the shift podcast.
Let's check in with Ryan O'Donnell. In case you missed it on the radio, here's that'll do. O'Donnell. It is that'll do kind of day. Look at that. I let you ding before I started talking. I so, know, you're catching on. Yeah, I'm catching on. Okay. Yes, in case you missed it, these are the stories on the internet and the world that you might have missed. And I'm actually going to start things off on this Friday with some laughs. Many times on this show, and specifically this segment, we have celebrated voice actors. These people bring you characters that you love from your childhood or maybe stuff you enjoy now in video games or cartoons, Transformers, Flintstones, Jetsons, and Spongebob. Now, do you want to know what movie I watched more than any other movie when I was a really, really young kid? Take a guess. Mm, let me what see. What movie you loved as a really, really, really young kid? I watched it so that. many times, my mom hates the movie because I forced her to watch it a million times. Let's see. If you were a kid, I don't know if he was into the Smiths yet. Not yet. Uh, was a kid. Was he into sneakers yet? Nope. Space Jam? No. Um, good guess. I'm going to say it's probably Harry Potter, part one. Nope. It was The Lion King. There's more wow. to being a king than getting your way all the time. There's more? Simba, everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope. But yeah, don't we eat the antelope? Yes. Um, the voice okay, Ryan, for SpongeBob. I, do, I hate to break it dubbing. to you. I think that I think you got the wrong clip. I think the internet led you wrong there. That wasn't actually Simba. No, that was that was Simba. Just instead of being voiced by Matthew Broderick, or who? Well, he was old Simba. But instead of being voiced by standard actors, you had uh, Tom Kenny who voices SpongeBob nice. and Bill Fagerbake. Uh, Fogger, Fogger, I can never say his name right. Foggerbach. 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 I'd like to apologize for Ryan's reckless use of someone else's last name. Bill. I, his name is Patrick and SpongeBob. He's Bill F. They decided to dub iconic movie scenes in character as SpongeBob and Patrick. So what are some of the scenes? Well, they did Sam's speech to Frodo in Return of the King. Nice. Professor X and Magneto in the first X-Men movie, and even Peter Parker and Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility. But the scene I loved, <laughs> I still can't believe they did this, is the climactic lightsaber battle between Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end of Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. This line has been memed to death by the internet. So just if you haven't seen this movie, I'm going to give you a quick clip of context. This is the actual line from the movie, and then you will hear what it sounds like from SpongeBob's point of view. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it. Okay, yes. That's the scene. But here is the magic. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! 
You underestimate my power! Don't try it! What the? And that's why we don't play in lava. You were the chosen one! It was said you would destroy the Sith, not join them! Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness! I hate you! Can I have your extra shoes? And your extra gloves? My mind <laughs> I love is these guys my, so much. My mind is melting. Oh my I love it. Goodness. That's so, good. That's fun. Okay, here we go. Who do you think well, if you could pick a scene in any movie to be voiced by SpongeBob and Patrick, what would it be? For me, it would honestly probably have been that Star Wars scene or maybe V for Vendetta, the speech to the nation when he's on the TV. Oh, I would go for Hunt for Red October. Oh Anything. <laughs> Anything <laughs> back and forth on the radio, maybe uh, maybe uh, that scene in Dirty Harry where yeah, they've got you know six shots, blah blah blah. Do you feel lucky, punk? That'd be all mm -hmm. right, that'd be cool. Now, fun fact uh, there is an episode of SpongeBob that's very famous where SpongeBob learns to swear, it's all censored with like dolphin noises. But when they recorded that episode, they actually swore in character. And Tom Kenny has said somewhere deep in Nickelodeon's vault. There is 25 minutes of the entire cast of SpongeBob swearing like Irish sailors. It will never be released, but just think about that and how wonderful that would be. Maybe we'll have to do a cheeky bleep of SpongeBob sometime. I would love it if they did that scene from The Notebook where they get in the big argument because I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and have SpongeBob do The Notebook. Or, or, yeah. Or maybe that scene in uh, uh, Brokeback Mountain. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> that would be good too. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate bromance. Oh man. Okay, so here's a here's a, a little bit of a huh story from California. Theme parks across the Sunshine State are is that what they are? Right? Did I get that right? Or is that for Arizona? Sunshine anyway, State. It's the the Florida. No, oh right. yeah, it is Florida. Florida. Okay. Well, California, where LeBron is. Uh, they're starting to reopen. COVID, uh, you know, they're just like, yeah, we'll be fine. I don't know about that. But they're starting to reopen as early as the end of next April. However, there is a rule at these theme parks that, Shane, many times you have said, if you can't enforce a rule, it can't be a rule. rule. Well, this is one of those rules. So let's get the clip. It's from ABC7. People will not be able to scream while riding roller coasters. It's going to be tricky. Governor Gavin Newsom's blueprint for a safer economy calls for California Come businesses on, to limit shouting, which can increase the spread of COVID-19. Amusement parks can mitigate the raised voices by having visitors wear face masks and by changing the seating on their rides. Tell your 10-year-old not to scream. Yeah. That's hard. Okay, I guess I won't be riding any roller coasters either. <laughs> Are you serious? Thanks, Bob. I, I've the, the there was a theme park in Tokyo that tried to do this too. And look, there the science is that when you sing, scream, or are talking loudly, you are releasing more particles which could contain COVID into the air. So yes, but I don't know if you've ever been on a roller coaster before. But you're, it's it's kind of a natural thing to scream because the only thing separating you between certain death is a harness and a handlebar. Now, I love roller coasters, and I also love screaming on them. So I just, what's the point of going on one if you just 
here we go, here we go. Yeah, like even mm. if even if you don't intend to, it the scream just comes right out of yep. you. Yeah, it just comes happen. right out of you. That's true. Although I think if you're in the back car, you should be allowed to scream because it's like if you're the puker, right? If you're a puker and you're in the front, everyone else gets hit along the line, right? But yeah. if you're a screamer with COVID and we're talking about droplets and mist, then if you're in the front, no screaming. But if you're in the back, I say let her have it because there's no one going to be behind you. Right back yeah, into your, your face. Right? Sorry um, to take you to the, the barf thing. but No, no. It was the go there. Yeah, no, you did. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a strange story. I mean, look... You got to do what you got to do to keep it open. But uh, I would just say, hey, why not wait till, you know, COVID cases are mostly gone so that when you can open Disneyland, which is opening back up on April 30th, uh, you can, you know, do it well, especially for me. I want to go to Star Wars land, which I know is in uh, or the Star Wars experience, which is in Florida. But I'm going to be screaming on the ground when I see the Millennium Falcon, (laughs) not on the road. I'm going to be screaming everywhere. Right. So there's no control over that. Uh, that's funny. Anyway, that's neat. I think that's uh, fun. What a great, uh, yeah. what a great experience. There's a couple of suggestions on the text line of what movies SpongeBob and Patrick should voice. We have the scene from Pulp Fiction with Maurice saying, "Say what again?" <laughs> Anything from Pulp Fiction <laughs> just <laughs> would just, be fantastic. The, mm-hmm. And you will know my name is the Lord when yeah, I lay my vengeance upon thee. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I shot him right after he shoots him in the back of the car. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> SpongeBob as Forrest Gump, Trucker Dan, you nailed it. You have no legs, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> you have no legs, Patrick. <laughs> Great ideas. Keep them coming. I love it. Um, okay. I think I'm done running. I think I'm done running now. <laughs> um, let's do. Yeah, let's talk about this. In the 1980s, the WWF got everyone to care about pandas again. Which was pretty ambitious because they're a wrestling organization. Oh, sorry, wrong WWF. Well, it's funny because the WWE, the reason that it's the WWE is because of the WWF, World Wildlife Foundation. Anyway. Yeah, fund. Uh, fund, foundation. Foundation, fund. Anyway. World Wildlife. We cared about the pandas. And now pandas' populations are getting bigger and better, which is fantastic. 41 years later the internet is in charge now and the animals that are about to be saved are gorillas the subreddit wall street bets you know the group that caused wall street to lose its mind Mm -hmm. game stocks stonk to surge they're back at it again in a really really amazing way so the idea originally was that if enough Reddit users bought GameStop shares, they could drive up the price, which would hurt, hurt hedge funds that had bet against the company, which <laughs> it, it, they, they did something. Well, now the community is deciding to help animals. So I'll let uh, this is a, a little bit of an explainer from Game Rant. A charitable yet absurd market antic that started as a joke due to the subreddits calling themselves dumb apes. One Redditor kept the meme train rolling by adopting a falcon with the message Deep Falcon Value, encouraging organizations to send photos of animals playing with toys like rocket ships and moons to stimulate donations. Another posted a confirmation from the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund, sparking more donations to the cause. The Redditors won't actually be taking home a gorilla, but their contributions of $60 to $150 go to their conservation, and in return adopters receive pictures, videos, and updates on their gorilla along with an adoption certificate and digital subscription to the Gorilla Journal. So basically, because they call themselves apes in the chat of Wall Street Bets in this Reddit channel, 
they decided, why don't we go and sponsor a bunch of anim- uh, of gorillas? And they did. L- a lot of them. So the Diane Fossey Gorilla Fund is one of the bigger gorilla funds in the world. They have received more than $350,000 in donations because nice. of this. So the president, Dr. Tara Stonitsky, actually made a whole thank you video, which uh, is really beautiful. It's really nice. Uh, you can it, it, it hear all the gorillas and animals in the background. It's cool. Uh, a little bit difficult to hear, but uh, it, it's really cool. This is, I like the idea of we made a boatload of money because we broke the Wall Street. Let's give some of it back to save gorillas. Uh, you, and there's some internet irony and jokes here but also some real good coming out of this. And yeah, I think it's a great story. It is a great story. In case you missed it, Ryan O'Donnell there on The Shift. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.